1: Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Villekeik for stage 8 of the Tour de France. Yeah, I learn a Dutch, new Dutch word every day from Le bon to Limoges. 2007 kilometers in over 30 degree heat. We're smack bang in the middle of France. Not much wind, not much reprieve from that heat. And it's a hilly finish to this stage. It's not a straightforward sprint like in Bordeaux yesterday. The first... 124Ks, uh, no categorized climbs, and then it gets a bit punchy in the last 70Ks with the cat. Three, 3Ks, three 5%, and then rolling on categorized climbs before two climbs back-to-back. 1,300 meters each at 5.4%, but steady. No pinch points in them really at all. Then again, a rolling sort of up and down until an uphill sprint. 700 meters at 4.3%, the final ramp to the finish in Limoges. Low altitude, as I said, hot. And But no crosswind action either. So I think a, a big opportunity, Benji, for the sprinters who've not been able to beat Philipson in the pure bunch sprints.
0: Yeah, the the more versatile sprinters as well, I would say, on this parkour, because that last half of the race, pretty tough. Some hills in there. Some teams might want to spark something and make it a bit harder. But first of all, I would like to look at the breakaway phase, because if you look at a stage like this, put it in the Velta, and you've got a Magnus Court breakaway, right?
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Because... Alperson was controlling the breakaway formation phase completely and respect to them because in the past, like that UAE tour where that Gusprom rider ended up winning, they've had days where, for example, they won a few stages and then the next stage they would say, okay, I don't feel like doing it anymore because we've got our victories anymore as an excuse to not pull, for example. And I respect that they're taking up that responsibility to pull every single time because one, they probably know that getting every possible advantage for Philipson is as much as they can is, is perfect. Yeah. And secondly, why not try and win a stage when you can win a stage?
1: Exactly. three from three in the sprints. And it's not like the UAE tour where, they're like, all right, well, I mean, we're on holiday in February. We've won a couple, you know, this <laughs> is, this is the Tour de France. Uh, also Intermarche would be very interested in a sprint like this for Binny. Trek was the really curious one to me because yeah. I thought they would be hundred percent locked in. Cause this is a Pedersen finish, like grippy, sort of hard last hour but you know big ring climbs and an uphill long drag sprint this is perfect for him and dare I say a Michael Matthews and he was trying to get in the breakaway and not just following moves that were going trying to shut down if you know a quick step was jumping he was initiating so was Kish and I was like what why when Alperson will control with you and Intermarche and Cofidis for Lecoq, who I picked for this right, in the preview, <laughs> and probably Yambo too, because they're without a win in this first week, and this is a good art finish too. Why you trying to get in the
0: breakaway? I didn't it made no sense to me. Let's say you see a situation, a breakaway formation phase where you see Vanderple going in the break, without well, Fanard going in the break on stage like this, because they all feel like, oh, we've got a larger chance of winning from the breakaway than in the Peloton or something if they're delusional in that sense. Well then it's a good idea to put Peterson in there. But I feel like it was clear that Alpecin was going to control whatever happens because they were continuously trying to close everybody down. So Peterson, Kirsch from Trek, Kung from FDG, for example, some Bora riders, Inios with Turner and Cuiato trying to get in the breakaway, EF riders trying to get up there. So all those riders get in control and we get that simple breakaway, the three-man breakaway that we get if the breakaway phase is controlled, but yeah. with one special rider, El Tractor.
1: The Tractor, is he Spanish now? <laughs> the Tractor uh, What's Tractor in Dutch? Tractor John Deere um, <laughs> Anyway, he gets in the break It's good he gets a bit of freedom Obviously, Quickstep kind of Step kind of don't know what they're doing They don't really have a clear plan here in these stages yeah. They don't It's because I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with what they did I'm saying mm-hmm. it's the right thing to get him in the break They probably yep. would have hoped it would have been in break of six uh, But They don't like I think Merlier would have been good for this finish. I really do. I I don't think so. I think Merlier is good on this sort of finish. You know, Man, he won a grippy finish like this and Fabio's obviously had the crash. They didn't even, they guys had an option yesterday or I can't remember what happened. No, they went for Fabio yesterday. yesterday and it was a disaster again. They pulled, so I presume he was not bad from the crash. And then today they just didn't go for him at all. Even though some big boys made this finish in the end, uh despite it being quite difficult so and then it's like oh we'll go for Philippe, but then it's like well if you want Philippe to win this you can't put a guy on the break you actually need to launch all these little climbs and try and get a small group but it's still not hard enough for him we're talking five percent all these climbs and steady so they're having a tough tour France so far but it was nice to see the clerk in the
0: break it was very nice to see the clerk in the break and to give a bit of a another angle on what you're saying i think they're just desperate to find a way to win a stage at this point and the cleric being put in the breakaway is one way to try and hurt the riders that are controlling in the peloton in the same way that you mentioned a few stages ago but also maybe there's a chance that the break makes it a slight chance you never know but there's other things that happen in the stage that show that they're desperate to do something I'll, I'll switch forward to that we'll go back to the intermediate sprint afterwards we got to move a bit later in the race towards the last 30 kilometers where where osgreen counterattacks from the peloton towards the breakaway and it's a one minute and a half gap that he's trying to overcome which it's unrealistic like i gave this a 0.1 chance probably 0.5 percent chance to to work out like imagine if you do that you've got the cleric in front osgreen bridging over then might as well try and attack with alaphilippe to osgreen and then towards the cleric if you're getting that started
1: i don't really know what their plan was to be honest it the clerk wasn't happy um it was it was kind of something you would have expected Benji from like B and B, honestly, back in the day, where it's a a tap that's going nowhere. They've told the clerk to sit up when the gap to Asgren is still a minute twenty. Asgrin has fourteen seconds yeah. on the peloton, which is riding full gas because they're coming into climbs where there could be splits, and Asgren is going nowhere. They told the clerk to stop, and he's like, "I've been in the break all day." He's not, he's not getting across to me. And you're telling me to stop now working. That was probably, yeah, not great. I don't think De Klerk was very happy.
0: I don't think so either. And to go back now, intermediate sprint. We've got an inter- intermediate sprint with some interesting action, actually. Because we did not only see an intermediate sprint happening. We saw the likes of Alpesin on the left with a lead out. Bora on the right side. So Alpesin for Philipson, obviously. And Bora for Jordi Maels. And the Van Poppel lead out was better at the intermediate sprint. Mayos gets out of the wheel of Van Poppel while Philipson gets out of the wheel of his lead-out. And it's not a big difference between the lead-outs, but Phillipson needs to catch up with Meus. Yeah, yeah. And I think Philipson won that intermediate sprint in the bike throw.
1: Yeah, it looked like Meus and him were kind of going the same speed at the end, Ben. And I even thought Meus was going to win. But yeah, you're right, Phillipson's bike throw was way better. And then they kept going on with it. They had such a split in this intermediate sprint that <laughs> there was like a, a breakaway of... Multiple Astana domestiques with Mark Cavendish. There was multiple Alperson riders with Jasper Philipsen. And Binney was in there too. And, and Lecoq. So the, the big team that missed out was basically, I don't know if Pedersen was in there or not. Um, the big team that missed out was Jumbo visma because Van Aert's not going for these intermediate sprints at all. And so now there's like multiple teams with strong rulers riding yep. really, really hard. It's still 120Ks to go or something, 100Ks to go. Over that, and Jumbo-Visma put Van Baal and Van Hooydonk on the front to ride and chase it down, and eventually, Rickart and Philipsen just stop, and Cav stops, and then Astana's domestiques are still riding on the group, which now just has MVDP and and so and maybe Binny. So it died after about three minutes, but it was fun, and it showed that Jumbo-Visma, who hadn't been pacing up to that point, were interested in the stage.
0: Yeah, exactly. And do you think that's something where from that point onwards Alperson realized okay if Jumbo wants to pace for the stage anyway we might as well sit back and have Jumbo pace the entire final because I swear from that point onwards we saw Jumbo pace more in the peloton than we saw Alperson pace in the peloton.
1: After that point yeah Alperson did put one uh and then Cofidis Co- uh, and Intermarche put multiple rides then Trek put riders and at that point Alperson's like there's four teams we no longer need to control a breakaway of three very tired riders. The gap came down to 230, especially when you enter the climbing phase where Trek put Juanpe uh, on the front and Chicone, and they did the climbs really hard. So they took the gap down on the climbs. That also made it you know, a little bit more fatiguing for the other sprinters. So, yeah, it was under control, and we see the gap go to 140, and that was when that Asgore move happened. So we're going in. Now the question is, how many sprinters make it to this finish? Jakobsen, won't make it. Quick step decided that on the bus today. Is it going to be hard enough that MVDP actually goes for it? Because there was talk and it actually sounded like MVDP did want to go for it. And Christoph Rudolph uh said, no, Jasper's our best chance to to win this stage. I think that probably is correct, actually. I agree. Uh the way this panned out in the end. And also you want to bank those green jersey points to you you can't be just giving away green jersey points if you want to win that take that competition seriously. And so the next question was who was going to take it up and it was Jumbo Visma who were once we get into these two category four climbs we're driving it now other GC teams like UAE were assembling on the left-hand side Alps and moving MVDP and Phillipson into good position in case there's splits as well
0: were you surprised while Jumbo was setting up their moves at the front their train at the front that we saw Wright working for Bauhaus and Skelmosa for Peterson? uh
1: and Haig for Bauhaus too? No, not really. Schkelmos is so far on GC now that I think he wants to win a stage. I also think, where's he on GC? He he got cooked on that. Yeah. He's on 847, he's 19. Fighting for top 10. Like.
0: From the break. Yeah, he
1: needs to go take four minutes in the breakaway and try and win the stage, O'Connor style. So yeah, he, he can <laughs> he can do some domestique work.
0: I was somewhat surprised to see right to the work for Bauhaus though, because in my head, Bauhaus was that sprinter that dropped on the tiniest hill in of Slovenia for example last year and he must have made some serious progress if they trust him more than right on a finish like this is what I thought at that moment
1: I mean unless I don't, I don't see him in the finish results so I think he got dropped pretty badly <laughs> okay. uh, and Nikias Arndt got lost time too Nikias Arndt's usually actually pretty good on a finish like this he's won not, no, not, not at tour level from the saddle yeah from the saddle he's good at this sort of finish see, like a yes but the boy is pretty good here so Anyway, we'll talk about the Cavendish. We haven't mentioned that, have we? No. Nope. We'll talk about that after the stage uh, in its own little segment. Uh, we go into these these two Category 4 climbs. Jumbo have lined it out. They've put Benoît on the front. Van has dropped. He's been pulling all day. Pogacar's got Trenton. This is why I said it was so important Trenton came to this Tour de France because Bjerg and Langen can't do this, what Trenton did today, which is trying to keep Pogacar in good position. And The first category, category 4 climb, we see Welsford others gone, but on TV, it barely looks like a climb, like they're going 45, 48 KPH. It's still a huge group. There really isn't people dropping except the biggest sprinters. Then there's a descent Turgis has dropped on that first category four. He dropped the uh, clerk. Yep. He goes clear, nice motor pace. I don't have a problem with it. Uh oh, the stage interesting. And then <laughs> we don't see the, but the problem is the problem is you've got this lame duck breakaway ahead. Yeah. And the cameras then focus 85% of the time on him. And also the motorbike between the two is moving in and out or not able to be in it. So we don't really see the fight. Like I, I think Poggy between the top of the second last climb mm-hmm. and the last category four, I think he moved up a lot of positions on the descent because he entered in decent enough position in the last category four and Yumbo tried to line it out. The problem was... A, the climb, so with Van Hooydonk, they go full, Vingegaard's in his wheel, and Laporte and Van Aert is behind him. I think problem number one is that, if I remember, the Pyrenees stage where they tried to split it, uh, it was steeper, and and also in Calais. B, Laporte or Benoit or someone took over after Van Hooydonk. Van Hooydonk pulled for yep. a long time here, and after he's gone 25 seconds, he's no longer keep going to keep dropping people, so... Then Laporte took over, but it seems to be too late. There needed to be that like snap acceleration. And I think Laporte needed to be in front of Vingegaard. And Vingegaard was also, I think, struggling because it's 5%. It's a big ring climb and he's in second position eating a lot of wind.
0: Exactly. And I feel like it also went wrong in the a very important part to the climb where they do this kind of stuff. For example, it reminded me somewhat of what they did on Calais uh, last year in the tour. But the run into the climb is important. And I feel like that bridge was, it was narrow but it didn't line out the peloton in one line in the same way that Calais corner before the climb did. So maybe that was an effect to why, the, why there was no gaps initially because of the acceleration and so forth, yeah. why the speed going into it was was really high, higher than probably what they were hoping for. Anyway, that happens. is moving up in the wind as this is happening, so he's getting into a position where he is competitive again because, like you said, he moved up before the climb, moved yeah. up on the climb as well. And then I saw fucking Grunewagen.
1: Yeah, Dylan Grunewagen was there, sitting in fifth wheel, sitting there easy. Oh, I can't, I can't believe it. And he didn't look like dropping. It wasn't like he was sliding either. He was holding fifth position.
0: Love you in Poggio style.
1: But that's what I mean. I think the Van Hooydonk one after 20 seconds. It wasn't hurting people like that enough anymore, to the point where you're going to actually drop him or create splits, because it's not steep enough. You think mm-hmm. you needed Laporte or Van Aert himself. And remember, in, in Pyrenees, Van Aert pulled himself, because Stibar was there. Yep. And so MVDP's there, is there. Eventually, the group over the top is quite big. Quite big, but also everyone's very tired. Yeah. And who has Domestiques? It takes a while to get reorganized. Turgis has obviously been caught. We have 9K to the finish. Some of it's down, a fair bit of it's downhill, especially this descent here, a rolling plateau. There's a couple of counters, maybe Sir and Kra, I think, or another or Campanas from Lotto Destiny counter. Laporte closed it down. GC Coos goes to the front, tries to restore a modicum of control. Trenton gets Pagatra on his wheel, and the group's huge. We're going to have a sprint uh, unless someone like MVP and Wout decide to jump away. And, and Vanderpool was clearly on Phillips and Judy's because he didn't.
0: Vanderpool could have attacked yeah. over the top of that cat four, and he would have got separation. But Trex just had the numbers yeah. They had five riders, if I recall correctly, moving up with Skillmores in first position. With I think Kirsch in third position, with Peterson in last position, and they were moving up, setting control at the front. On the right side, we saw Alperson with three riders without Phillipson. Phillipson moved up a bit later towards that wheel of Vanderpool. And we basically saw that being the control for the next few kilometers. And I was thinking if those two teams have a full train, Laporte is still there for Van Aert. We're gonna have a good battle on that final hill because these are the sprints we wanted to see sprint here. But Bogatcher was also trying to keep himself in position because I reckon he was trying to get bonus seconds.
1: I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think he was too and he took some risks, you know, he he was fighting Van Art for Philipson's wheel and Van Art didn't yield it this time and he lent on him and it was on his left left wrist as well. So well, I mean, he obviously he really wanted those burnies. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a risk, you know, for 4 seconds to and because I don't think he's winning especially from a group that big, you know, you need a group of twenty with no Phillips and no Van Aert, and yeah. just like you against Alaphilippe to really have a chance with a transition lead out. And it was it, the group was was huge; it was like forty-five deep, fifty deep.
0: Exactly, and from that point onwards, we see the sprint trains going into the final stretch, into the final few uh, final few corners, and we have a crash at this moment. I think it was somewhere which is five point nine kilometers to go, roughly, where Yates and Landa were victims together with I think a Bora rider. I think it was 77 poland i'm not sure yeah. about it and then um total energy rider steph cross number four on his back the um arguably the best belgian gc rider in front of remko and kian Brooks 13th in the tour at the moment 15th at the tour i, I have no clue was anyway he, he was laying there and hopefully he's okay because he actually didn't look too yeah, great so off. let's hope he can continue the tour de france if not let's hope he's in an okay situation but yeah it was sprinting time eh
1: it was, and yeah, Simon Felipe, he would lose 47 seconds. He did have a rider to bring him back. Obviously, they're still going for Vegan in the sprint. I'd say, you know, he'd lose GC positions today. But yeah, we go into the sprint, really weird camera work where we got a, a, a backwards shot from basically 900 meters to go to 500 and really, really difficult to know who was taking control. I think it was actually yeah. Trenton moving up Pagacha. Uh, Pagaccha was in good position. I'm just re-watching it now. Um, yeah, it was Trentin. Alaphilippe was on his wheel. Mezgetz was there. He moved up Gronavegan, and he was there. And then Laporte jumps at like 450. 450 he moves, and he starts his sprint. And I think Laporte, first of all, he's got Alperson on his left-hand side. I thought the play would have been to close off Alperson. Binny's also nowhere. He's out of position again. I thought the play would have been to close off Alperson. And I think Van Aert didn't know which way Laporte was going to jump. And Laporte, he just went a little bit too early. And then he, because this is an uphill sprint, he is, quote unquote, only able to do his lead out until 300. So he's done 125 meter lead out, but 300 is a long way to go. And MVP jumps. And so there's, Laporte's left a gap to the barrier for Van Aert to jump through. And there's obviously space to his open left-hand side, and Pedersen jumps to the barrier side, before Vanart. He beats Van Art to that spot, to the right shoulder of Laporte, and MVDP jumps to the left shoulder of Laporte, and both of them just jump before Van Aert. and then there's no space in front of Van Art. and then Laporte is in the middle, sliding back. And basically Vanart has to stop completely. Yep. He... So it's just missed timing. The other two the other two beat into a spot and and that's Vanard's sprint over.
0: It's difficult, eh? Because if Laporte goes off the front at that point, when Peterson launches, for example, you've got a very long sprint between Van Aert and Peterson, and I'd argue that's gonna be a close one, but I still believe that Peterson would take that if that's from that early. So do you reckon that them waiting for the sprint where Van Aert would like to launch is what lost it for them?
1: Oh, uh, I mean the problem is Laporte just jumped too early, I think, you know. Yeah. He jumped too early. It didn't swing off. I don't think Van Art knew which side because Laporte had moved from the left to the right. And then, yeah, MVDP. you know, like he's, he's struggled to sprint straight this week. And he sprints in front of, you know, he sprints diagonally in front of Laporte. Nothing really in it at all from what I can see and, and launches Philipson. You know, he leaves just enough space for, for Pedersen. And then swings off to the left. But yeah, Pedersen basically, how do you beat him on this sprint? And as you said, I'm not sure Van Art does win this sprint because Pedersen's launched at 300 in the wind. Say Van Art does jump early. Okay, Van Art jumps at 300. He's not going to get boxed in. But then he's got Pedersen on the wheel and Pedersen beats Philipson easily after Philipson got a way better lead out than Pedersen. So Pedersen's just too good on these, these sort of sprints. He is so, so good where this like real 20 seconds, like, He's launched, he's launched it, like in this video, at 50 seconds, and he crosses the line. He sprinted for over 20 seconds, full gas. And that's the difference between these and Phillips and the sprints he's won. He's not sprinting for 20, he's sprinting for 10, 12 seconds maximum when MTP gives him a flat lead out. So that's why I was so curious why they tried to get Pedersen the break today because, yeah, the best stage of him so far, and he duly does the business, Lidl Trek will be happy. They get in the first week a return on their investment, a yep. Tour de France stage win. They'll be very, very happy with that, beating Jasper Philipson, who still, even second, you get a lot of uh, green jersey points. Bernard third, he came back very, very quickly and just pipped Grunewagen for third. Grunewagen, Echhoff, Cockard, Boist. I don't know where Ewan went, because he was looking in an okay position in the run-in. Uh, Tiller, strong, Pegacha came 10th. He lost a few positions. And yeah, you're right, Bade, uh, not Bade, Bauhaus didn't make it, and right, no right went thir- came 13th but he already spent a lot of energy
0: exactly now when it comes to every sprint we've had so far we had a, a deviation police hat that we had to put on a few times around today there was some rumor on social media that vanderpoel had elbowed laporte out of the way but that's just not fucking true so
1: laporte moves more than laporte moves left into van der poel and that's what i mean like i don't think Wout knew which side laporte was gonna give him yeah um or maybe he just thought it was too early but if you hesitate if you hesitate with 300 to go Mm -hmm. and laporte's decelerating and other guys are just gonna jump and so you kind of you're kind of pot committed at that point. You have to jump if you're Van A, otherwise you do what well, you get boxed. And even you know you might have been the fastest, you might have been the strongest. If you get boxed, it doesn't matter. Pedersen took his opportunity. Takes Kahanez to jump with 300 uphill, and yeah, he was the best and he
0: won. Should Laporte have chosen a barrier side? Because usually when it comes to these leadouts, we see Van Poppel, for example, yeah. taking one side so that his sprinter is in his wheel. He's by the barrier so that he can go to the left, and the sprinter can launch between Van Poppel and. The barrier. Uh,
1: I think he should have gone to the, the side he was already on yeah. and closed Alperson. He should have sprinted to the left barrier as he looks at it, closed yep. MVDP and Friegel. Yeah, yeah, he was way ahead of them. And that's what a lot of that's what Alperson yep. had been doing. And they would have been it's what happened to Pedersen in the sprint yesterday. Yeah. Closed off bang. out so MVDP did. Um there's no one. MVDP didn't endanger anybody, but everyone that's in the back left gets completely boxed in. Yeah. And then Wout jumps around Laporte and immediately goes in front of him. And then you cut off the draft, to your back wheel as well. So that's another option. In hindsight, of course, they should have done that and Wout should have launched. But yeah. Hey,
0: um, learn from mistakes eh?
1: Yeah. I mean, didn't they? They messed up last year, right? In stage three or two. Yeah. The Grunewagen one? Yeah. Where well, they didn't. I think Wout didn't know which side of Laporte was going to go. Yeah. The Grunewagen one. Yeah. Um. So
0: they don't actually do a lot of leadouts for each other. or well, Laporte actually hasn't this year, right? I don't know, man. It's been a while since we had... Like, we didn't have Van sprint at...
1: Van didn't do paris and he didn't do Dauphiné. Yeah. So this is, like, the 1st leadouts they they've been doing. So, you know, it's... Uh, I presume they practice and talk about it, but, you know, Laporte is good, but... They practice yeah.
0: on Pro Cycling Manager.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, Grunewagen, very, very impressive today to beat guys like Cocard on this sort of finish and... And co. Uh, anything else? Oh, I should. We should oh. probably say the green jersey. Say the, just to give yeah. an update on that because there's Phillipson's now on 258 points. Cockard's on 149, and mans Pedersen on 143. Van Aert on 112. So Van Aert's lost so many points on intermediates. Uh, like what's there been seven, eight stages? Say so he took 10 each stage. That's 80. So you know he'd be on near enough 200 if he'd, and he didn't even contest the sprint yesterday. So yeah, it's. Philipson's looking pretty unbeatable (laughs) for green right now.
0: Yeah, Philipson wins it, bar crashes and and bad luck, I would say, from this point on. disqualification. You might have noticed during that list, Mark Cavendish not anymore in the points classification because he ended up crashing out roughly 40 kilometers from the finish line, I think. 40, 50 kilometers from the finish line. A crash with multiple riders, but he was the one that ended up not finishing today's race. I think it looked like a collarbone. He uh, jumped in the car pretty quickly afterwards, but he's not in the tour anymore. His final tour.
1: No, a bit of a nothing crash, just like nothing was on. And it's one of these crashes where I know this sounds a little bit harsh, but it's always curious to me. Maybe it's survivorship bias, but there's this nothing on in the stage. It's, you know, not a hectic moment. The GC teams aren't up the front fighting for position or anything. There's no crosswinds and there's a there's a crash at the back. and And the rider that goes out is like, it's not a misc rider. It's like, yeah. maybe it's just because the crash has happened and when it is a misc rider, you don't even, we wouldn't talk about it. But because um, like Train crashed again. I don't know why Unuex still have him in the race. The guy's fractured his elbow. He's crashed again today. And yeah. and Should they're posting the on Twitter, like, oh, we'll get him through. For what? He's young. He's like, your GC future prospect. Like, what is he going to do in this sort of physical condition after two bad crashes? So I think they need to have a think about, think about that. Um, but yeah, Cavendish out. It's a shame because, you know, he recorded the fastest top speed yesterday, but top speed doesn't mean anything if you're not in good position, but his gears skipped. I went and re-watched the footage and, you know, he, he when he launches his sprint, he goes over a speed bump that he wasn't expecting. Yep. And whether that skipped his chain... It looked like it to me. I think that, yeah, I think that messed with his chain and people reliably inform me. So apparently two bike wheels just put together is, that's almost a meter in itself over a meter. And so that means... It's almost impossible for a bike to be a meter or less so you're devastated. Anyway,
0: but I'm more devastated about Cav leaving but yeah, his final but he, tour to be on. Well,
1: yeah, top speed and he lost it he lost it by 0.1 sec- seconds yesterday or less. Like he was without that chain drop or gear issue really close to winning a Tour de France stage so must be super frustrating for him.
0: He obviously did the Giro. Maybe he still shows up at the Vuelta, you never know, but it's not really a grand tour where I usually see Cavendish fighting for sprints. I would love it if he just postpones his retirement one more year. Well, someone's gotta give him a contract. Someone's gonna give him a contract. I mean what what if If gets a contract.
1: Dude, what are Ineos no doing? No offense. What are Ineos doing? Like they might paying not... Viviani, my friend. Yeah, paying Viviani to be Gunner's friend. Like or to go to the Olympics. Like, wouldn't you uh, the problem is probably salary demands, but man, that, the exposure for Ineos, if he wanted on there, and it's not like he's yep. a scrub. He's like at a good level. Like he's not, he came sixth, fifth, and second with a gearing issue in the first three sprints. Yep. With, he doesn't exactly have the best lead out in the world. Did uh, Tudor as sign him? Well, they have a Decline. Um, and where's Bennett going? Is he going to Human Powered Health or Tudor?
0: I don't know. I think Human Power and Health was rumoured and then Tudor was rumoured a week after. So at this point, I don't know where he's going.
1: I mean, maybe he just wants to retire. I mean, Cavendish has also crashed a lot. That San Remo crash when he was on Dimension Data was really bad. But yeah, it sucks for the race because he he might have really won a stage. Like, he he, he really might have. Like, Phillipson's Philipson, yeah. not going to be in the best position every single sprint. At least I don't think so. Sean's was a lock. Yeah, Sean's least say he knows that. and So he's out. And now what are we starting to do? They're kind of without a purpose here. here's
0: ball sprints coming.
1: yeah it came 14th today you know it's not bad um
0: i don't know it sucks
1: it sucks i do wonder yeah i do wonder. but it, it depends like do i think it's possible he postpones his retirement yes but that really is dependent on a team offering him not just a reasonable salary and a bonus if he wins the tour stage no. but they also have to offer him going to the tour which maybe any us don't and also, they have to give him some sort of lead-out. Otherwise, you're just going to waste a year. You could crash. You have frustrations. Yep. and You could just rinse and repeat this again. But it depends. He loves the sport. Um,
0: yeah. Sucks. Cavendish, to step again. You out of here first. No. <laughs> He'll bring his own sponsors to do it anyway.
1: I mean, Fabio's <laughs> gone. Fabio's gone, right, to DSM? Well, is
0: rumored, but that's like... He's a young talent. We don't know if he's going to be able to step up to the top league yeah. instantly, so...
1: Anyway, something maybe he just wants to
0: retire. So, I've got one more story time. Yeah. I uh, told you about the story time yesterday, but um, I've got a huge announcement. For two years, I have lived in exile. I've been abandoned. I've been thrown away like dirt by the Astana social media managers on Twitter. Oh, I was really? blocked because I tried to get an interview with Aramburu on this podcast. When I asked if he spoke enough English to get on the podcast, it was interpreted a bit wrongly, and they didn't like me anymore. But I can tell you that with my insider spy, Alexander Finokorov Jr., I finally found a way to get unleashed. I've been unblocked after two years. I'm actually shocked.
1: What are you going to do with this newfound power?
0: Has it influenced Cavanish's crash?
1: What, um, they've let you back into the fray and you bad karma for them. That's entirely possible. Um, it seems a bit of a coincidence, but yeah. I don't know. That's good for you. That's good for you. Let's see how long you last. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't tweet what you just said. Get <laughs> yourself blocked pretty quickly, I
0: think. Oh God, oh God, I'm terrified already.
1: Uh, Tomorrow's stage, stage nine, the last stage before the first rest day on Monday, which we're all looking forward to. This has been a jam-packed first week of cycling of the Tour de France from saint leonard de noblat to puy de dome They haven't used this finish since, I don't know, Bahamontes in the 50s or something, or maybe it was nah. Jesus. Reason, more recent than that. They are some big numbers. I reckon they were on all sorts of stuff because like they were using like 10kg bikes. And you see the climbing times they did in the 50s on Puerto Dome. It's mental.
0: Like, what do you reckon they were on?
1: Uh, is, he, is he alive to sue me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Can the state sue me? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even illegal then, was it? I don't know. Dude, he's still alive. He's ninety-four. I'm not going to say it then, out <laughs> of <laughs> well, yeah, respect for him. But yeah. Um, yeah, they did some quick times. up with a dome back in the day. Uh, anyway, rolly stage. This is going to be hot. Yeah. Again, we're going. You know, from east of no west, sorry, west of Clermont Ferrand, basically in the middle of smack bang in the middle of France, just going west over this rolling up and down terrain. It's not high altitude. It's sort of midi mountains, you know, 500 meters, 700 meters high, but the climbing isn't. It's, it's like 5Ks 4%, 2Ks 5%, but they're the categorized climbs. There is, it's, it's not actually much flat in this actually. And the first no. intermediate sprint's actually at the end of 5 k, 4%. I think Pedersen and Trek need to form a breakaway and try and take back 23 points on Phillipson tomorrow. It's a really good opportunity to do so. And also they should be trying yeah, to have Pedersen as a tug buddy for Chikane or Schelmoser in the breakaway.
0: Remember the stage where Vanderpool was in the break and we didn't figure out why he was in the break?
1: He didn't even sprint for the IS.
0: Vanderpool said that Phillipson was supposed to be in the break, but they failed to do so and that's why he was just playing around that stage in the break. So but, maybe they'll try it again this And stage. still
1: didn't sprint at the IS to take away
0: IS points. <laughs> okay, good You know point. you can just drop back from the break. Save energy. <laughs> I agree. But tomorrow, I don't necessarily see Phillips not responding to Pedersen if he tries to go in the breakaway. Five Ks, four percent in the first twenty-three Ks, and it's hilly before then. I think it'll be tough for him. And also, the thing is, like Phillips has such a major difference that he's destined to win more sprint stages in yeah, this tour. Yeah, so yeah. if that continues, then he has no need for these sprints, and he, he might need to think about recovering and making sure he reaches Paris as well. Yeah,
1: and Pedersen's not looked that good in the pure bunch sprints. Yeah, um, his lead not there. Sturvin and Kirsch were good today. Anyway, the medium mountains last for about 150 kilometers. Then they descend into Clermont-Ferrand, which is where Remy Cavagna is from, and I think Bardet lives there, yeah. according to Luke. Um, and they do the de Dome afterwards. 12.6 k 7.8%. It's an all-category climb, and it's a fake news climb. We've never. This is the prototypical fake news climb. The first four kilometers are 7.5%. Then the fifth kilometer is 5% then two false flat kilometers, which will basically feel flat to the riders at 2%, then 5.5%, the 8th K, and then a ramp, basically, a long wall of, uh, what does it say, Five, 4.5 kilometers at 11.5%, 4Ks at 12%, with some pinches in there, It the, the road circles around the dome. I think we're going to get some amazing helicopter shots tomorrow. It only goes up to 1,400 meters, but not high altitude but there's over 3,000 meters elevation gain across the stage and it's going to be mid 30s i think again this is a very very difficult climb this is more difficult than marie blanc benji which saw huge gc gaps on wednesday
0: exactly and the suffering beforehand will influence it as well my question going into our discussion here is who will control the stage because jumbo after what happened on the final mountain stage on the tourmalet stage will they be willing to risk pacing in the stage Risking bonus seconds to Pogachar, having the ability that Pogachar might get closer if he counters them again. While UAE might think, okay, we didn't look that good at Marie Blanc. If we spend so much energy here and get dropped, then it also won't do well. But then again, the bonus seconds are there. So I see more likeliness that UAE tries to control the breakaway than Yumbo than does. But I also don't have complete confidence that any of them will.
1: I, I smell a UAE going for the stage win again. Yeah. I think they're going to be confident after the Tourmalet stage mm-hmm. on Planche de Belfi, which is a very similar duration. Uh, if you So the steep section will take them about 15 minutes, 16 yeah. minutes maybe. Um, the overall climb over 30 minutes. But if you just take the, you know, Puy, uh, Planche de Belfi, they went for it. They, they really invested a lot for Pikachu to win that stage. And, and I think they're going to try and, yeah, they they'll want a small break to go. And if they get a small break, they'll control it, and then they'll try to set their tempo on the climb and, and take use Yates and Micah to take Pogaccia as deep as possible into this climb and, and try and go for the win um, uh, with an uphill sprint or whatever. So they'll be buoyed by, I think, Thursday. And this is a very hard climb. This is not Le, uh, La Planche de Belfi. This is like 15 minutes yeah. at, at a, over 11%. That's really, really steep. Now, for KOM as well, you know... This is where the GC guys start to take a lot of a lot of points back. For example, Pagacch is on 19, Vingegaard's on 18, Hinley's on eight, uh, 19. Powers ain't going to take any points unless the breakaway makes it. Mm-hmm. And whoever wins out of say Pagacch, Hinley and Vingegaard to be the top three favorites in the GC group will take 20 points. So he, unless he, he gets in the break, already the GC guys are going to be taking uh maybe going into the the polka dot jersey tomorrow. So. Um, but do you think the break has a chance, Benji? Because if you're, Pino, where's he on GC? He's um, on enough time. Yeah. Pino's on seven and a half minutes. was on 15 minutes. So Pino, we have to, he needs to go on the breakaway. Gull. Look, Gull. Yeah. Gull would be very good for this because Hinley was the only, Hinley's like third GC favorite. Yeah. And he, and goal went with him for a lot of time. And in, in the, um, on the Tourmalet stage. Oh, no, on the Marie Blanc stage. Yeah, goal has to go on the breakaway.
0: I want to ask Ineos kindly. Kindly. Rodriguez is obviously fighting for the podium, but he does need his entire team surrounding him.
1: They were at the front today when, like, in second position with the mm-hmm. whole team line out with 150 Ks left. I was like, guys, what are you doing?
0: Yeah. Bernal lost time together with Jacobs and he dropped in today's stage. Why would Bernal not go in the break? I'd love that. Bernal in the breakaway is my only wish for this entire Tour de France In Pidcock's
1: on Pidcock's in top 10 on GC he's on 443 yep. just high in, he's having a good GC Koos is still there in 10th let's go um, should Jumbo put Koos in the break
0: <laughs> you like it huh
1: if you want to make it annoying for UAE you put Koos in the break or Kelderman
0: and and then UAE responds with putting Adam Yates with because and then Yumbo needs to respond with Vingegaard in the break and Pogacar in the break. But yeah. has responded we've got a uh, nice breakaway.
1: Adam Yates <laughs> getting in no breakaway. <laughs> um, yeah, I want Clement Bertet and there, Dylan Turns. I'm just looking at people that are super skinny yeah. because you need to be you need to be a pocket guy to Woods. Pompe. Yeah, Woods. Where's he on? He's lost all the time now. This is a thing. When he's 30 seconds? Twenty eight minutes? Woods fought for GC. And Except for this stage, we had all these stages which, sued, which suited him from the yep. break, like Blanc. Marie Blanc, and then he just collapses on GC, and he's lost the opportunity to go in those stages. Yep. So yeah, Woods will obviously must try and get in the in the breakaway tomorrow. He'll be very good. Pompey, I expect there. And as I already said, Clement Berthet plus Felix Gull is a very, very difficult combination to go past. And I'm going to go with Gull from the breakaway, actually, because as you said, Benji, maybe there is a little bit... Maybe UAE is scared of Marie Blanc and Jan mm-hmm. Wiesma are scared of what happened on Cartier and you get basically the breakaway winning and it's, yeah, uh, I think Felix Gall is, and Hinley is not going to be in there. So I think Felix Gall. What about Martinez in the break? I think if Gall, if Martinez is in there, Gall should be in there and Gall is just better than him. So yeah. I, I agree with you. Bernal, they should let him in the break.
0: I agree. What is the rider that I said initially would be in the breakaway? I completely forgot already. Pernod. Eh, I don't see Pernod winning the stage, though. <laughs> I would wish he does, but I don't see it happening. Pinot, I'm kind of like, I'm waiting for that 14th of July stage. I don't remember what it is, but that seemed like a breakaway opportunity. And
1: Grand Colombia is yeah, Yeah, be the, every French climber will win the break that day.
0: Pinot wins Grand Colombia, but not this stage.
1: Too high I for know, from the break. I don't think he has the pure climbing.
0: I also... It's not too high. It depends on who's in the breakaway. Like, If I'm Bora, I put Bookman in the break. Okay. I would put Bookman in the breakaway if I'm Bora. I'm just going to wing it. Bogacá from the GC group.
1: Okay. I mean, yeah. Like, I think he'd be the favorite for the stage because I think... Uh, I, I think U A will, you know, they're usually aggressive on stages like this if they think they have a chance of a stage. I mean, look at the risks he was taking to sprint today, yep. and tomorrow is, you know, an uphill, fi- a proper uphill finish. So, uh, yeah, I think he'll go for it. Uh, but in terms of GC, yeah, Simon Yates loses two positions. Rodriguez and Adam Yates leapfrog him into fourth and fifth. I think a lot of teams, and Luke Rowe even said this on what's occurring, Ineos, Jayco, and Groupama, will be. Really regretting what happened on that Marie Blanc stage, yep. not just because Ineos particularly Ineos pulled Hinley away from the peloton with Frailer going into a 4k eleven a ten and a half percent climb, thinking Martinez had a chance, and Hinley just fucking smoked him because Hinley literally came third yep. on the Dauphiné Queen stage, and is a serious GC rider, and that gave him what on Rodriguez, like 90 seconds, I think. So they're going to have to make that up. Otherwise Rodriguez would be sitting yeah, unless Hinley dropped him much, much closer. So I think Jayco, Ineos and Groupama would be thinking, I wish we
0: maybe chased a little bit when UA didn't care. I fully agree because the podium battle is kind of now a battle for fourth right now, unless we see Hinley having some vulnerable moment yeah. throughout the next couple of weeks. Now, one more thing. We spoke about I spoke about potentially Pogaca winning the stage. Vingigo obviously has a chance as well. It's very difficult for me to predict based on this final what's gonna happen because Marie Blanc looks like last four kilometers of Dome. So on paper you'd say, Oh, Vingigo will drop Pogaca here based on Marie Blanc. But on the other hand, I also didn't expect Vingo to drop the day after from Pogacar, who looks fucking strong after Tumalay. So I'll be honest, I've got no clue who will drop who. But I do feel like there's gonna be a gap between the two.
1: Yeah, I think it's difficult to really come to the line in a... It's not like Planche de Belfie. Planche de Belfie was 20, 22 minutes, I think, and the first 18 minutes was like five and a half watts per kilo and, and pretty not chill, but it was a big yeah. group. And then the last four minutes, Micah did a big lead out, pulled off, Poggy surged, and yeah. then the last four minutes were absolutely full gas because it's steeper the last K of uh, Super Planche de Belfie it was last year. This is different. I There are going to be big GC gaps between unless... Pagatra and finger guard completely supless. Yeah. And let, because Hindley should be good on this. Yeah. Hindley should be really good on this finish. It's like Fedaya. It's like Marie Blanc. It's a 15 to 20 minute, very steep effort. And he's lightweight. Rodriguez also. So, and Yates, I don't know how much that crash affected Simon today. So, it's difficult to see the two big guns not going clear. But yeah, I also don't think it'll be a sprint. It's too hard. It's not like yeah. Blanche de Beaufort. It's not
0: it's like, like Grand Colombier.
1: If Finger does his best numbers like he did on Marie Blanc, he drops Pagaccio. But he you know, on Colteret, he got dropped. So um we'll see. We'll see if he can repeat the Marie Blanc performance. Otherwise Poggy might be uh you know, taking another twenty seconds plus some bonies.
0: You know what I hope? That after tomorrow's stage, they're both within two seconds of each other in G C. Well that would
1: be the case, right? That would be yeah, Poggy taking eighteen and, and four or yeah. something. Eighteen, yeah. And he's 25 seconds back now. And then we're going to the first rest day, basically on a deadlock. Which,
0: That'd be great. Yeah, going For into the race. second
1: week, uh, going into a deadlock. So big GC day tomorrow. Uh, maybe the breakaway has a chance too. if a team doesn't want to control 168 Ks of hot and heavy, hot and heavy, Jesus, what's, <laughs> we're doing a cycling podcast here of hot and um, up and down parkour. But yeah, we'll be back with the uh, big ramp test tomorrow, historical finish. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and we'll see you with a the recap then. Ciao. Right.